think it's like a, an old person's fucking child. All right, cabinet. guys, what's going on? <laughs> I guess. AJ, this is our, <laughs> guys, this is our three-year anniversary. Every time this comes around, I'm always amazed. Like, it's been another year. It doesn't feel like it. I mean, this year, we did so much. We got out to our first wrestling show as a group. Dave, who are some of the guests we've had on in the last year that you've been like? Uh, I mean, recently, Rip Rogers, John Arezzi. We had Al Snow back this year. Oh, God. Who am I blanking out? The guy that helped. He knew Pillman and trained Shark Boy and everybody. It wasn't Lance Russell. God, I'm, I'm slipping on his name now. Yeah, too. Lance Russell definitely did not. Teach Shark Boy how to wrestle. Heartland Wrestling Association. Less Less Thatcher. So a lot of greats. I mean, we hit over 500 subs on YouTube this year. Les Thatcher, by the way, also known as the man who killed Terry Funk's father. Really? I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but they had been wrestling around in the kitchen. Les Thatcher and Dory Funk Sr. had been wrestling around the kitchen, kitchen, and Dory Funk Sr. went out to take a break and passed away from a heart attack out on the porch. I don't know if that's killing him. <laughs> I did not know that story. See, we're always getting something new on every episode of the podcast aj would have been some of your favorite discussions uh there's so many great discussions that happen through the course of the year i think my favorite discussions are anytime we actually talk about women's wrestling because i think that as a world we don't value it as much as it should be and there's a lot of people that are still stuck back in the goal in the stone ages and don't appreciate how far we've come so it's always good when we talk about that and independent wrestling i love talking independent wrestling because it's things that we really need to focus on that we don't focus on enough which by the way talking about independence like we did go to aew to get to a ring of honor this week but or this year but also standalone wrestling we got our first booth and got to hand out some flyers and even sold a shirt to a couple people, maybe one or two, but you know, fun time. Yeah, we've, we've been lucky to get to some of the Northeast wrestling, gotten out to some great shows, and it's always good to see who's up and coming and to have a chance to talk to the fans at those shows, quite frankly, to see what they're into. Yeah, maybe have our first MMA guest coming up soon, too. Shout out to Mike Calderwell for trying to make that happen. We got some cross promotion on the way with Cage My IQ. We'll be featuring some of their interviews, yep. giving them a couple of ours to play just to get our name out more and speaking of getting our name out we've had some great fans that have helped us along the way jake zach st john and unlike their mom we don't play favorites we like them both equally we don't just go for zach damn back like you said will be helping us out so he's another one randy osga he's always a soldier for us he's always out there in the comments getting us lists getting lists from other people we yeah, said, Mike of course we have to thank chevy our own chevy who's been helping has been with us out here doing the combat cast but he even shows up for like the wrestling stuff too and helped us with that combat no, chevy, chevy's the man the early B- cast this year we kind of scaled back on a few things because like when we had free time we were just loading it up with different podcasts after different podcasts and now we've kind of gotten back to the basics of things even back to the 531 which we didn't do for a lot of this year because it just wasn't fresh for us well sometimes it's tough people don't realize when we say we're the working fans podcast we really are the working fans podcast we all work full-time i've got a wife dave has seven children we all have things in our life 
life that take up time. And then, even though it's not aesthetically pleasing, as producer Joe will tell me, I am working through a cold allergies. <laughs> All right, we're gonna put that work in. We're gonna grind, and someday when we got more of a staff, there might even be some more people to fill in for me here and there too. Um, but right now, yeah, we've been on through. Let's see, COVID, pneumonia. I've had times where the doctor's like, oh, you should be dead. And I'm like, yeah, but I have a show to do. For three years, we've come out with an episode, I believe, every week. I mean, we might have missed a week here or there, but we've stayed consistent. It's led to more opportunities for us. Me and AJ are also on the More Perfect Union podcast. Dave and I, we've been going on, what, just about a year of New Heights wrestling commentary. BCW Pro as well. So No, I was about to plug you guys for that because people who may have seen you call wrestling for that promotion we won't talk about beforehand, they're going to see a different level. You guys have really reached New Heights and your chemistry as a team calling the match matches has really gone up a notch i like you guys better than Corey graves and michael cole there so hey keep doing it we've worked hard at it and we don't want to leave out any fan names i don't think we mentioned jesse from new hampshire our Uh, friend scott feel bad because now that we started naming names i feel like we're leaving somebody out that listens mike flynn i don't know if we mentioned mike flynn but mike flynn obviously usually with jake and zach he'll always contribute give us lists everybody in the mothership facebook group who's always coming up big giving us lists anybody Who's giving us lists if we're not remembering you? Thank you. I mock the people that give us lists a lot because I'm an asshole. But without those lists and without them contributing, the show's not what it is. What makes this show great is not just our beautiful faces and our personality. It's the 531 and it's our chemistry when it comes to actually talking over those lists. And so we need those lists. So keep them coming and come up with ideas. Don't just make us come up with ideas. Come up with some ideas. That's another thing too. We want to hear from you guys. Who do you want to hear us talk about for three years? We We've brainstormed the list. We've gotten some suggestions for list, but we're putting it out to you as well. Let us know who you want to hear us talk about. And wherever this video is up, leave it in the comments. What matches do you want to hear us talk about? What promotions? What wrestlers? We want to entertain you. The funny thing is the three of us, even though we all watch a tremendous amount of wrestling, we each branch off into a specialty. Like I think I watched probably more women's wrestling and probably a little bit more British wrestling, whereas Joe obviously has his specialties when it comes to some of the Japanese. You follow that much closer than I do, even though I love it. And then, of course, Dave loves midget wrestling. So we all have specialties that really... Oh, no, that's just Ray Mysterio. My bad. Shout out to all my short people out there. We love you. Nothing but love for you. Yeah, all little people, actually. I, I could be wrong. All my friends, big, small, tall. We love you all. <laughs> Come on down to the Working Fans Podcast. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, guys, let's wrap this up. AJ, do you have a parting message for the fans for this next year? For me, it's just, hey, keep tuning in. We're going to keep trying to evolve. Our base really is that 531, but we evolve around it. We talk about it. We really are just friends talking wrestling, and we love what we do. We love interacting with you as fans. Please keep Keep contributing. Keep doing what you're doing. And just keep loving the sport of wrestling. Amen. Hit him with a parting message here, man. Gonna enjoy some wrestling this year. As always, we love to watch wrestling. We love to talk wrestling. You know, when I'm doing my shoot job and I'm delivering, you know, that tasty, tasty bread that y'all love. Shout out to Dan Moff. Call me a hero. Don't forget. At the end of the day, you know, like... 
I, some of my favorite parts of the day is when I meet other wrestling fans and we can just talk about wrestling and not just the casual stuff. We can talk like in depth and somebody can mention me something about world class. Always enjoy that stuff. At the end of the day, too, not just next year. I hope to keep talking to you guys for another three years and I can't wait to see where this goes because it's already led to more than I think we all thought it would be with the commentary and some of these great guests. So, hey. Let's keep the ball rolling. Thank you for listening to us, guys. We wouldn't do it if we didn't hear back from you. And we enjoy doing different things. I've got 31 horror movies for the month of October to get you ready for Halloween. We've got, as always, like our year-end specials. And we said it before. We'll say it again. Thank you very much for listening. And just let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And we will bring that to you every week. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene, taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling? comedy and combat sports then we have the podcast for you because we cover that and much much more do you like to debate with your friends do we have the perfect segment for you it's the 531 where we take any given subject break it down to a top five from there we debate it down to three and then into that number one spot if you want to get a hold of us find us on our social media search working fans podcast on any major social media platform And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform, as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. Welcome back for episode 164 of the Working Fans Podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 1 and Lance by Chance, written by Vinny Berry, available at WrestleVille.com. On Amazon.com, you can get Super Vows and Pas de Deux, written by friend of the show, Kevin Kelton, as well as I'll Be Here All Week and All That's Left, written by Ward Anderson. You can also get his special on Amazon. As well on Amazon, you can get Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real-life story of wrestling's original Sheik, How Not to Suck at Comedy, written by Pat Oates. The Blood and Fire is written by Brian R. Solomon. We are brought to you by the great people over at Connecticut People Records, our wrestling commentary home of New Heights Wrestling. If you listen to the podcast that came out in audio form yesterday, we are brought to you by Matt Memories, written by John Arezzi and Greg Oliver. And today, Dave and AJ will be doing a live 531 on Tony Storm Dream matches. So let's bring in Dave, AJ, and we'll talk to you guys. That's right. The top five Tony Storm Dream matches. And AJ, we only got a few lists this week, but they're passionate lists like Randy Osga. You know, Randy hit me up. He got some of his friends on this, too. And I think it's very interesting that we're doing this week when we had the debut of Soraya. Hopefully, Randy Osga realizes that we are coming on a little bit early so that he can catch his list. The other thing is, I think these lists may have changed a little bit if they were sent after the debut of Soraya. Yeah. Realizing that the artist formerly known as Paige is able to wrestle again. Yeah. Actually, you got a few more lists than I do, but like I can actually tell you some of my lists I got. Like Randy sent me his list before that even happened, and Paige is definitely on there. So before yeah. we get to that. 
So unfortunately, I think before she had showed up this week on the the list that I have, at least, I think that people, when it comes to the dream matches, I think Paige to me doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. I don't believe that Soraya actually gets the credit she deserves. The women's revolution that we saw, we give the credit to Charlotte Flair, we give the credit to uh, Sasha, we give the credit to Bailey. We forget how good Paige was and how much of a factor she was in this women's revolution. I can't disagree. And it was interesting because one of the things I knew we were doing the five three one on Tony Storm, but I knew you would want to talk a little bit about Soraya because I could tell the other day when we were talking how excited you would be about this. And I did a little research just out of curiosity. And I was looking at her Twitter numbers and her Instagram numbers. Figuring she, they'd be decent. I knew she really cultivated a Twitch following. Better than decent. Yeah, let me get to that. <laughs> let me get to that. So I, but I expected her to be close to a Sasha Banks or a Becky. No, she's actually a little bit more. <laughs> and uh, it's close, but she's a little bit more. It's basically the same, but she's right there. And I find that fascinating that her numbers are so high given that she's been away from wrestling for the last few years. But I think this woman has really cultivated and used social media to further her name brand. I, I be- wish Randy Osgo was here because that Paige versus Emma match in NXT, if you want to see a match where what Paige can really do, that, oh, way to be late with that one, Randy. All right. Obviously, you knew that was in the comments. Why don't you give me your first two lists this week? And we talked enough about Paige. I think she's going to be a name to watch out for. And maybe she's not, on a, she's not actually on a single list that I have. And I have like twice as many lists as you do. Interesting. No, sir. So she might not be a name to watch out for. Okay. <laughs> she's on my list. <laughs> you tell me. I, I let you go a little freehand this week. All right. You give me your first two lists, sir. All right, so I've got Daniel Backley. He's got Io Shirai, which I think is a fantastic one. Rhea Ripley, Ginny, which I love being on that list. Kaylee Ray, also one of my favorites. And then we've seen this match already, but I could see it again. Jamie Hayter. Obviously, there's a hater, but a little NXT UK, UK flavored there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love the fact that he thought outside the box and actually went with a lot of the UK flavor there because the women's division in the UK was as good as anywhere. Absolutely. All right, I I also get, I'm lucky, I get producer Joe. He's got Deanna Parazza, which is fa- a fantastic pick. Mickey James, he went with Nikita Lyons, who I think is a bum. He also went with Lindsay Snow and Tiny Tanelli. Tiny Tanelli, a suplex queen. All right, yeah. Yeah, I just am butchering her last name there. I think that's a great list. The only one I really don't like is Nikita Lyons. I think that she's one of the most overrated women in wrestling right now. Oh, man. There's going to be some people upset with you. All right. Dave Fabe. Sounds an awful lot like Kayfabe to me. Dave Fabe has Julia Hart, Jimmy Hart himself, Natalia, and Lady Frost. Lady Frost is a great one. I wouldn't mind seeing Jimmy Hart thrown around by her. <laughs> I don't know who Dave is, so I don't really need to see that. Natalia is a great matchup. And Julia Hart, not even as good as Nikita Lyons. So. Yeah, Stefan Ricard, former guest of the show, too, he also had hit against him five times. So you can see where our fan base's head was at this week. <laughs> yeah, my guess would be they primarily watch her on OnlyFans. <laughs> we had so many of those lists that I did not include. There was her versus a pair of tight jeans. Her versus five different sexual positions. So 
we had to bring in a difference of list this week. Yeah, we we are not we here on the Working Fans Podcast. We are not going to objectify Tony Storm. No, Although her versus that Nikita ass. Lyons is the battle of that ass. Since she wrestles like a jackass, also we may have objectified her in the past, but we're not doing it anymore. God damn it! <laughs> All right, I got one list here from Twitter. I forgot about Twelve the Theorist Morris. The th- eh, whatever. All right, what up, Twelve? He got Ruby Soho, Rio, Carly Sane. Mako and Tyler Valkyrie. That's actually a hell of a list. Yeah, Trey did all right for himself here, representing Twitter. Definitely theorizing it. Maybe we'll get some more Mako votes. Maybe she's one to keep an eye out for. Mako, Mako. Mako. All right. I've got Diamante from Kevin Irvine. I've got Diamante, Nikita Lyons, Camille, Giselle Shaw, and Diano Parazza again. What about... So right, right now, Nikita Lyons, much to my chagrin, is tied with Diano Parazza for the lead, so... What about the baddest bitch from the 305, Katrina? You know, first of all, here's here's a funny thing. When she brought her out, was like, this is the baddest bitch from the 305. I have no idea who Katrina was. I so, do not. She uh, is <laughs> There are people who know. She's very big in the rap community. Producer Joe, I mean, you can have to tell me off here. I don't know. Did you know who Katrina was? I did not know who Katrina was. <laughs> Katrina, she is part of Trick Daddy's Slip and Slide family out of Miami. Oh, uh, shit. There you go. Is, is that where the area code 305 is also? <laughs> yep, that's Miami. MVP nice. shouts it out a lot, too. Yeah, also Pitbull. <laughs> it's the 305. And also in the comments there, Mako might have happened in Japan with Tony Storm. That is true. So. Yes. All right. But a lot of these have already happened or could have already happened with Tony Storm with the amount that she travels and with the amount that she wrestled on the independence before WWE. Well, I'll tell you what. Randy Oscar's got a list here, and this match definitely didn't happen. Medusa, number oh. one on his list. That would have been a banger. Trish Stratus, maybe a name oh. to watch out for. Taya Valkyrie, her name again. Paige, Mickey James, and oh my God, he gave us a Jake rule. AJ Strange Brew. <laughs> We're not having that, Randy. <laughs> I do not endorse objectifying Tony Storm. However, I would be more than happy to have a catch-as-catch-can style match with Tony. Hope she doesn't shoot on you, brother. All right. What do you got? I just want to give a little update right now. We have a bunch of people tied at two. Nobody has taken a solid lead yet. But so far tied at two, we've got Deanna Parazza. We've got Nikita Lyons. We've got Mickey James. I'm all tied at two. So, All right. Now, going into it, I've got Joe St. Germain. He's got Deanna Parazza. We've got Camille, Rhea Ripley, Jade, Cora Jade, and Roxanne Perez. I like the Roxanne Perez one. I am a big fan of Roxanne Perez. All right, yeah, Roxanne Perez is a good one. A talent to watch out for. Anthony Laterra. He's got Awesome Kong, Mickey James. Oh, that's another one for Mickey. Deanna Parazza. Oh, and four for Uh, Deanna now. Jay Cargo. And Taya Valkyrie, that's definitely the second one, at least, for Valkyrie. It's three for Taya Valkyrie, three for Mickey James, and four for Deanna Parazza. Yeah. All right, there we go. Look at this. Coming in hot. Al Simmons is coming in with Camille, who now has three. Lady Frost, Roxanne Perez, who now has two. Lady Frost also has two, by the way. Julia Hart now has two. And he's got one that nobody else has mentioned so far. I don't know if this young kid's ready for Tony Storm. Fabulous Moolah. Oh, oh, Moolah. All right. The Spider Lady. Exactly. Man, big fan of Spider Lady. All right. 
all big fans of Fabulous Moolah and what she meant to women's wrestling. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I think that over the years, we've learned nobody has done more for women's wrestling than the Fabulous Moolah. No one's done more for women than the Fabulous Moolah. Shout out to Moolah. All right. Philip Griffin. He's got Trish Stratus. So that's another time I've seen her here. Lita. Soraya. Russell Page. So yeah. Mickey James. James up to four. Medusa. Uh, Medusa now up to two. All right. So I have Mike Aubin. He's got Camille, Diano Parazza. And then here's one that I think we talked about this last week with Bianca. I think this person has become a forgotten wrestler almost due to her own doing. Tessa Blanchard, Giselle Shaw, and Lindsay Snow. So very solid list by Mike Aubin. And Diano Parazza is now out to a resounding lead. Well, I'm going to help take some of that away. Because I did not vote for her. <laughs> I have, here's one I didn't think of enough love, Beth Phoenix. I yeah. think her Storm would have a banger. Trish Stratus. I know someone's already said that. And Lita, after that. Mako Satomura. I didn't think about Japan, so I had that down there. And at the end of the day, Bianca Belair. Because Bianca's a great athlete, and I don't remember those two ever hooking up in NXT. So we have some of the same. I've got Beth Phoenix also. Yep. You and I, I think are both Beth Phoenix fans. Then I had Roxanne Perez because I thought that, that would be a hell of a match. Trish Stratus is always on my list. I do have Deanna Parazza uh. because I am a huge Deanna Parazza fan. And then my last one, this one might throw you off a little bit. I actually went also with Medusa. Okay, interesting. I'm not surprised. You're a big Medusa fan. So what are our final tallies here? So the top three, and Deanna Parazza had six. We ended up having four for both as a tie, Mickey James, and then also for... Randy, yes, AJ did have a... Uh, Joe did have a list. Oh, it was actually Nikita Lyons. Sorry, shit. Nikita, Nikita- James. <laughs> well, you know, we're not going to get much argument here. When we're talking about Tony Storm dream matches, this is a case where we didn't have as many votes, and this pick really, no offense, shouldn't be on there. Like who you want, it's fine. But no, I just don't see this as a dream match. This is clearly... I'll keep it on in the top three because of the vote. Oats, but it's going to add right there. You, you're going to have your Nikita Lions fantasy at number three. Now, as far as Mickey James and Deanna Perazzo, now we're talking the good stuff here. Okay. I think Perazzo might be a better technical match, but at the end of the day, no offense. And she might go on to pass Mickey James, and they had a great feud. But Mickey James competing for the Royal Rumble while on impact, competed at WrestleMania, multi time WWE Women's Champion and Knockouts Champion. To me, the money's Mickey James. And Mickey James is a Hall of Famer. We're talking about the difference. And we talked about this last week. When it comes down to it, I mean, you have to calculate everything in. Mickey right. James can carry a good enough match still where her wrestling meets up with her talent and her draw ability. If she wasn't still the great wrestler that she was, then it might outweigh it a little bit. But I have to go with Mickey also, even though I would much rather see Deanna Parazza personally. Right, but I'll just put it to you this way. If I was looking to sell tickets and I was going to put on the biggest match I could, not that Peraza wouldn't be, I would take Mickey James in this case. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And uh, and that's, at the end of the day, what we have to go by. I just reiterate, personally, I'd rather see the other match. Absolutely. All right, so that's our list there. Mickey James is the winner and the dream match of the week for Tony Storm. Now, our next segment. There it is. And he's back. The PWI 500 came out last week. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to jump into discussing it. And just quickly going over it, the evaluation period goes from July 1st, 2021 to June 30th, 2022. Primary criteria are in-ring achievement, which is win-loss record, championships, tournaments won, influence, 
being visibility and prestige within a promotion and or industry, competition, success against the most and varied high quality opponents, and activity, minimum 10 matches total or six in separate months. The ranking committee is Al Castle, former guest of the show, Brian R. Solomon, Harry Burkett, Righteous Reg, Kristen Ashley, Candice Cordelia, and Kevin McElvaney, with special thanks to Striga, Chris Zellner, Francesco Mandolini, Jason McVeigh, Pat Laprade, and Merrick Indica. And today we are going to talk about number 500 over the last few years, because I think it's always interesting who's in the top 10, top 20, but number 500 is interesting. So this year, it is Dustin Wilson. Last year, 2021, was Lulu Pencil. She did a little bit of work in AEW. Oh, yeah. Year before that was Dan the Dad. 2019 was Corey Storm. 2018 was Puff. And 2017 was Daniel Richard. So Dustin Wilson's going to be a name to keep an eye on over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's always fun to see where the top 500s will go. I think the, and Dave, you might disagree with me, but I think that what we remember from the early 90s or the mid 90s was Duke the Dumpster Drossy literally got number 500 and then was signed by the WWE. So I think that's always the dream is that, oh my God, I was 500. Yeah. Maybe I can get signed to WWE next year. It does not usually work out quite that way. No, but no. it, but that was a fun one when you saw somebody literally get the 500 spot and they were in the WWE the following year. Yeah, but it yeah. is a form of notoriety. Now, are there any wrestlers you guys would like to know where they placed in the five? Yeah, I'll throw one out there for you, Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes, let's look him up real quick. Yeah, Dustin's been wrestling for so many decades. I'm just kind of curious how he's still being recognized. He's not as active. Mm-hmm. He did not make it on there. Cody is sixth, but Dustin is unranked. And it's probably... I don't think he wrestled enough this year to actually get into the 500, to be honest with you. He had great matches when he did, but to me, his inactivity is what's going to cost him. Yeah, maybe in his win-loss record. Like, if you're having competitive matches, but you're not winning them, you know. Well, to give you an idea, let's try Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels. Let's see where he... And he is also not ranked. Yeah, and I think once again, it's because even though they both had some matches this year, it's just not having enough matches to get yourself into there. Shows the pulse me and AJ have on this, though. <laughs> We're I'm interested in these guys that are still competing at a high rate, I think, in the ring. But, you know, we don't see as much of them. And I guess maybe the inactivity probably hurts them on this list. Now, there are some that I'm interested in that have a little bit more. Like, maybe we'll see Christopher Sabin in there. Chris Sabin. Let's see where he popped up. He was number 202. Number 202. And uh, he's primarily a tag wrestler now, but he's had some great singles matches over the year also. Yeah. Yeah. I would thought right. For that matter, let's look where Alex Shelley popped up. And Alex Shelley was number 70. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, incredible. To be fair, he did have a run with the independent wrestling title. He was doing yeah. a lot of independent. Now I would. Now here's an interesting one for you: FTR, where FTR. the two of them actually fell in the rankings. Interesting. Yeah. Let's look that up. We got Dax Harwood. I assume Dax is going to be the higher of the two. He is 101, and his partner. Oh my God! If Cash doesn't actually make the list. <laughs> He's got to be on there, and he's not on there. Wow. That shows you sometimes how different people can be portrayed in different ways, because is Dax that much better than Cash that Cash 
is not on the list at all. They That's mainly not- wrestle as a tag team. And I mean, Dax has had a couple singles matches, but if you look at the Young Bucks, they wrestle primarily as a tag team. They're 183 for Nick Jackson and 184 for Matt Jackson. Yeah, I think we're finding some holes here. Let's let's continue this, let's continue this thought here then. Primarily tag wrestlers. Is Anthony Bowens on the list? Anthony Bowens. Let's Anthony Bowens is 188. Okay. And Max Caster is 171. Okay. I, was say, I would think Max would be a little higher because Anthony was injured part of the year. I would agree with that. But did either one of them have that many more singles matches than, say, a Cash Wheel or something like that? To me, that's just, I don't know. So here's an interesting one for you Swerve and Keith Lee. Now, I expect both of them to be on that list. No, no, I expect both of them to be on, but I'm interested to see where they fall. Because we might, who do you, who do you think is going to be higher? I, who I think should be higher, Keith Lee. Do you think Keith Lee should be higher? Because to me, Swerve is actually the better wrestler. Well, we're not talking about wrestling. We're talking about, you know, how they're perceived, win-loss record. Win-loss, yeah. So yeah, was, but Keith Lee was disappeared most of the year. Good point. Let's see. Keith Lee was 80. Swerve Strickland was 82. Because when they were in WWE, they had... Strickland might have had slightly more visibility, but they were basically non-existent there. And then coming over to AEW, I don't think either had a major singles run before they were teamed up. But literally with both of them, there are only two spots difference between the two of them. So that shows you how people can be perceived. A lot of tag teams are fairly close. Danny Limelight, former guest of the show, 374. That's not a bad rank there. Yeah. But so far, the only team where one person just didn't make the list is FTR. That's true. What other tag teams you want to throw in here that we can look up? I mean, we can go the Viking Raiders. I don't know how they would have done. Oh, let's see. I mean, an interesting one would be the Usos. Yeah. Oh, that's not a bad one. We Let's look up Usos. I mean, main event Jay certainly had a bigger push two years ago. Right. So Jay was 139, Jimmy was 147. So still, once again, fairly close. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting to see where some of these numbers fall. And do you guys want to go out on one more pick each? And then <laughs> we will get to who we're going to do for next week's 5-3-1. And we will maybe... I'm kind of putting together this PWI 500 segment on the fly and... I, I got one for you. Oh, who do you got? The great Muda. Oh, yeah, Muda. He's, at, he's in his retirement tour. I'm interested to see where he falls and or if he falls in the top 500 still. KG Muda, 176. Uh, That's not bad for a guy heading into retirement. Hey, I got a guy. I don't think he'll be on there, but you just, you know, I'm just wondering because I know he still wrestles here and there. George South. Yeah. George South is not on here. Somebody from the time period of Muda. How about Sting? Sting, let's see. You would think he wrestled. He is 173. So one, so they're in the same ballpark. Yeah. And that's interesting for people of that age. Let's who else is an older wrestler that's still going? Christian. Christian. Some would Ga- say Chris Jericho. <laughs> Jericho, definitely. I'm not seeing Christian on this list. Surprise. He- he may not have wrestled oh, enough. No, he's on there. Christian Cage, okay. 81. Oh, so he's actually in between Swerve and Keith Lee. Yep. Let's see what Jericho got. He had a pretty big year. I'm going to guess in the 30s. 22. Oh, that's not too bad at all. No, not at all. Butch, did he make the list? Oh, let's see if he made it as Pete Dunn or Butch. That'd be fun if he, funny if they had a slot for Butch and for Pete Dunn, but not one for Cash No, Miller. Butch has a spot, 288. 
Wow. I'd like to think that number would be higher if he were wow. Pete Dunne. I want to speak to the fans real quick. If you think that Pete Dunne is the 288th best, best wrestler, you need to watch more Butch. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you look at how he's been booked over the last year or so, the win-loss record is not great either. Yeah, Chris Jericho won that ROH championship on Wednesday. That was very surprising. I'm looking forward to Rampage tonight with Action Bronson getting into the ring and whatever other matches they have planned for us. First of all, I, I think we're all big fans of how Chris Jericho won the Ring of Honor title. <laughs> he did it in true Ring of Honor fashion. So kudos to Chris Jericho. I mean, there was some interference, but here's at the end of the day. I mean, there's so little interference in wrestling nowadays. Like, you barely ever see, like, distraction finishes. So, I thought it was creative and something different. No, absolutely. And you de- yeah. and you almost never see a low blow finish anymore. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and quite frankly, let's face it. Claudio, you know, he's had so many title runs in his life. He really <laughs> didn't deserve a long one here. So, Hey, I, did, and I know we'll get to the next thing or we'll get to next week's but I did hear a theory that if Jericho won the belt, then maybe because he's a bigger name, this will be the announcement of a TV deal coming soon. Hopefully so. Which could be a good thing, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully Claudio gets another shot at that title, but next week Claudio will be getting a shot at a live five three one. We're gonna do top Claudio's Castagnoli dream matches. There you go. Do him and Garcia have a match for both titles? That could be very interesting. That could be something going into full gear in November. Be huge for Garcia. So next week, we'll do Claudio Castagnoli dream matches, and we will evaluate the top tens of the PWI the last few years, and we'll kind of go over those, maybe dig for some more lists in the 500 or some more names in the 500. So guys... Thank you for joining us again this week, and we will talk to you later. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality t-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Working Fans Podcast. It is the man they call Dave. And today, we are interviewing a booker, a trainer, a pro wrestler, a man who's basically done everything in pro wrestling and done it well. Ladies and gentlemen, the hustler, Rip Rogers. Hey, there's fucking 587 fucking people in my fucking living room. They're applauding, but they're all deaf mute, so they're they're doing they're doing it in sign language, so they're not making any noise. So, so uh, <laughs> I got a standing ovation from all the fucking uh, deaf mutes. Of course, I'll probably get heat for saying something like that. So I'm gonna get heat no matter what. What the heck, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's how we started out. We won't tell everybody what we were talking about before the podcast, yeah. but Rip, it's funny. So I have a lot of people on here, and 
you know, you interview these guys that are young and they're like, who was your favorite? And I'm 45 myself. So I'm like, who are your favorite wrestlers? And, you know, they're all telling me guys like, you know, the Attitude Era or, you know, even later, like John Cena. But, you know, I'm curious when the time you broke in, were you a wrestling fan before? And who are the guys that got you in, if, if so? Of course I was a goddamn fucking wrestler. Now I'm starting to cuss again. Of That's course right. I was a wrestling fan. I graduated from Seymour High School in 1972 and said, I'm going to go to college, play football, and I'm going to figure some way out to become a championship wrestler. And that's exactly what I did. Because I didn't know anybody. I didn't marry the boss's daughter. I wasn't no thing of a, I wasn't a giant or a freak like the big show or some Olympian or something like that. I was a guy that's uh, just a, an athlete from basketball crazy in Indiana. And my high school had the largest high school gym in the world. Still does. Seats about 9,000 for uh, high school fucking back. Oh, it's up. For, uh, that, 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 uh, one slipped out there, but we try not to. But anyway, <laughs> I taught school one year at good old Union City, Indiana. Was a football coach. And I was wrestling on the weekends. And uh, didn't wasn't trained. BS my way in. Got my Har Carlin Hildegard trunks and boots. I got my boots from Bill Ash's dad. Noel Ash, B-Bar-A boot shop, got the Carl Hildegard stuff from Johnstown, Ohio. And I was off and running. I wasn't even smart to the business. That's awesome. And then you ended up, if I remember correctly, you worked the territory with the Poffos first, right? Well, that was one of my work. I started out. I had my first match in West Virginia. Of course, that's the one I wasn't even smart. And the, and the, the promoter's saying, hey, when you get the pencil, go home. I'm going, when you get the pencil, go home. What the hell is he talking about? You know, and he says, he told me you was going over. And I said, oh, okay. I go, what the, what's that mean? He goes, you a healer face. I said, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. He just knew I was athletic and I was Jack, you know, and that's all, and that's all that matter. He didn't, he probably didn't know what a good match was anyway. I sure mm -hmm. as hell didn't. And I know to God, and I know the, the fans don't know what a good match is. That's how, that's why I love why the fans are getting on everybody. And they ain't got a unless you're in the business. Almost the hell, ninety-seven percent of the guys in the business don't know what a what a good match is. Get real. We're nothing but a, a bunch of a bunch of goofs. It's um it's unbelievable. Hardly anybody can call a match. Hell, I had guys to call have matches two hours called in the ring right there. That's how that's how easy it is, and that's how everybody used to be. You come in with somebody, me and you'd wrestle 30 minutes the first night. I'd never see you. They'd go over the instructions. They said, you guys going through 30. I said, I said where are you come in from? He said, oh, I come in from, from Portland. I said, okay, I'll do some Buddy Rose stuff for you then. I said, I'll tell you what to do. Uh, mm. shut, shut the hell up. If you don't understand it, I'll make it easier. And just sell each other. It's pretty simple. Wow. There ain't no lining up your spots. Don't worry about get your shit in. I'm the heel. I'll lead this whole thing. You can't, if you can't have a match with me, you ain't worth the shit. There you go. Wow. So that was it then. It was just basic, you know, everything was called on the fly. Yeah. Now, if you come in, I say, hey, what do you do well? And I'd say, if it's there in the match, I'll get it in. But I'd say, don't cover me because I'm going to have to kick out of it. When, see, all these big moves. Big move ain't a big move. Let's beat you, is it? Right. Okay. And the more times you kick out, you kill yourself. You can't finish. Hell, Dick the Bruiser, he never covered you unless it was the finish. That's how smart he was. Nobody kicks out on the bruiser. <laughs> That's knowing how to work. Don't give a shit about moves. Moves don't mean anything. You go out there and simulate a fight. Two guys want to fight each other and kick each other's ass is what you want to do. You really don't bust a great, but there's a threat. There's a threat to everything. But guys, I mean, you did. There were a few guys, right? That like I heard Randy Savage like to go over a lot of his stuff, right? Hey, I learned from Randy Savage. Yep. Four years we lived together. When they told me, I never seen him script a match in his life. Oh, okay. We rode together every day. 
Never in my life. When somebody told me he scripted a match with Steamboat, I didn't believe him. And they said, oh, he did. I said, well, he must have changed because you got to remember, it was at WrestleMania with Andre and Hogan, the world's most boring thing with all the emotion of a slam, right? Right. So the match before them should have been, and I've never, I, I've never seen one second of any WrestleMania in my life because I ain't no Mark Bynes yet. But, but, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and Steamboat was probably the, the number one baby face I've ever seen yeah. as far as uh, selling and being over. You know what I mean? Right there. He knew how to sell. So he probably threw something. This is a once in a lifetime chance thing. And they went out and they did it. But I've never been did a promo that was scripted. or No, give me your bullet points. I'll tell it to you in my character. Mm-hmm. If I'm a booker, I said, these are the points I want you to hit in your character. I am not you. I don't know what's in your mind. Be you. Be your character. But, but, but get these four points across. And you can't say who, what, where, when, and why on where it's at, etc. Too much. You were doing a commercial. Go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. What was it like working with the Poffos? I just was curious because I heard that territory was pretty wild back in the day. Well, it was, let's just say, let's see. I was there four years. Yep. I mean, first 10 tapes we made in Louisville, March 13th, 1979, Channel 41 Studio. David Tongue was the uh, producer now or whatever. Blah. We used Dale Mann's Kentucky license. Then we had 10 tapes in the can. We moved to Lexington because it was the biggest place in Kentucky where we was at. And our first TV was Hazard. And it was like two and a half hours from Hazard. So then we got TV in Lexington. We got TV in Louisville. We got TV in Evansville. We got TV in Memphis. We got four of them in Ohio. We got one in Oak Hill, West Virginia, where I had my first match at. And I went and got that, got that TV for it. We had Johnson City TV. At the time, the guys Garvin, Roop, Orton, Malenko, they all split up from Ron Fuller, and they were all-star wrestlers. So they come in with us to do TV to cut expenses, and then after a while, they folded. But then, then we had Roop, Orton, and Garvin come in as business partners. So the business partners was the three Popos, me, George Weingroff, and, and Orton, Randy Orton's dad, Ronnie Garvin, and, and Bob Roop. And we usually ran every day of the year except Christmas Eve, and New Year's Eve, but we a lot of times we'd run two shows on Saturday, two shows on Sunday, and two shows on Friday. I remember two times we had actually three shows on a Saturday. So I was running towns, being a boss, and I was green in the business. Yeah. Me to come in. So I was in, baby. Now, you're already a business owner and a boss. How long have you been in the business at this point? Oh, about a year. About a year, about a year full time. Now, I'd, now work TV, I'd work TV for, I'd work shows for Dick the Bruiser, The Sheep, Bob Geigel, uh, in St. Joe TV and Kansas City TV, the wrestling at the chase. I worked against Flair and Murdoch when I was a greenhorn. I had black hair and a black afro. Wasn't worth a shit. And I reminded Murdoch about it. I said, Murdoch, you beat, you, you potatoed me. I thought you broke my jaw. He says, I remember that. You moved. Now, this is how many years later, and Murdoch's just laughing. Well, I said, no, what it was, Dickie, I wasn't even trained. I wasn't worth a shit. I probably jumped up and did something, and you just knocked me in the way you should have. But, no, I had a black afro. I was jacked. I was cheap from school. You name it. I was living the fucking dream. That week, I got one out there. I was coming home from after that. See, I worked for Dick the Bruiser on a Friday night. Drove all night. Me and this guy, Steve Cooper, who was Randy Savage's manager in, in ICW, then we worked St. Joe, or we worked Kansas City TV. Then we drove up to St. Joe TV. 
Then we come back to Indiana. And on the way back, we stopped in St. Louis and worked the two tapes for Sam Muchnick with the wrestling from the chase. And on the way back, I said, wait a minute. I made twice as much money as I did teaching school. I got my dick sucked by three different bitches, okay? <laughs> it don't get any better than that. So I'm, I went in and told them I wouldn't be coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> This is being I started. I started showing up Monday morning to teach, and then Thursday after Thursday after school, I go home. I took Fridays off. I said, "Take my take my sick days, my personal days, and then just dock me because I'm out of here." That's horrendous. <laughs> and my, my brother was a life for school teacher and coach, mm. oh. and I was the older brother, but I was a little bit eccentric. So what the hell, right? Yeah. I I get it. You're in your twenties. You're going around the world. You got the ladies. It's a little hard to want to go back and teach these kids. I'm guessing. Yeah. Can can I just think of this? Can you imagine? You're on TV nationwide. Yeah. You're walking. You're like you're you're wherever you're at. The pussy palace. All of a sudden, you're Jack. You're in contest form. You're on nationwide fucking television. You're talking shit, and girls don't have guys talk shit to them. You do nothing but heal on them, and they just throw themselves after you. Mm. You're nothing but a heel. Shit, every time I was nice to a bitch, all they did was fucking break your fucking heart and treat you like shit. No, now you got to be the. No, now you're on their ass about everything, <laughs> and then and then and then the, the then they chase. You know, I yeah. they, they ain't worth it anyway. This wasn't even going to be one of my questions, but I'm kind of curious. Were you ever a babyface? I was a babyface when I started. Oh, you were okay. Yeah. Yeah, under my real name, I was rotten because I didn't even. I didn't even, uh, wasn't even trained. Right. And then like, can you imagine I'm teaching at OBW and I teach guys, uh, and I said, well, no, you, you're not allowed to prearrange bullshit. You <laughs> get in, you get in, you guys are going an hour, go. And pretty soon that was the norm because everybody paid attention. And if somebody didn't pay attention, I said, oh, you get in the ring, take his place, go now. Cause you're fucking around. I got 70 some guys jobs with WWE, but listen, this weren't the guys they hired. These were the guys that came through OVW, started the beginner's class, come to me like JTG, like Santino, like Mike Mondo, like Johnny Jeter, like Serena D, and the list goes on and on. Some of them guys had 10-year 10, 10 runs there. Yeah. And they were taught to shut the fuck up and listen. Heels, you're the ring general. Babyface, shut up. He knows what you can do. You chain wrestle one hour every day without a break just switching part you get heat on every body part every day you are wrestling machines when you get a chance to go with the big boys you're going to find out you're better than them but you better not say it but you're better than them and you can call on the fly and the so-called stars can't do it but anyway i get on a roll and i start going no that's good i mean yeah it sounds like okay teach them well teach them to be able to do everything they can but then also maybe shut your mouth when you get there too well i had to uh, a lot of personalities, and some of them I had to do the positive reinforcement, and some was negative reinforcement. Mm-hmm. But my job was to push their buttons to make them the best it can be. It has nothing to do with me; it's to get you out of your comfort zone. And I remember Randy Orton. Randy was Randy had big love handles, mm-hmm. and he looked at me. He goes, "Look at me now!" I said, that's, "That's God, Randy. You look great. Good." He goes, "Well, I thought you was you was mad at me." And I said, "Oh hell no! I was trying to get you mad at me." So it's the old, I'll show you, motherfucker. And yeah, now you're showing me, motherfucker. Now you're fucking shredded. Hell yeah. Great. I said, you got to remember, Randy, I was partners with your daddy. I said, I worked with your grandpa. I was there when you were born. <laughs> oh, yeah. It must be interesting to see these guys like Randy. I mean, when you see them when they're young and now see them oh, now. Yeah. Yeah. Now- he was, uh, well, hell, he, uh, he's an Orton. What the hell are you supposed to say? 
Right. I remember, right. I remember see me and Rand, Randy do the editing in, in our in our house. So we're making up a montage so we could highlight about 20 people on the tape. So even if they're not there, you're seeing them the start and at the end of the show, right? I remember Pez did one dive on me the whole time and we slow motor, right? But every week yeah. on TV, there he is, diving in slow motion freeze frame, hitting me with it, right? We have to do it no more. It was always there. There's Randy jumping off the top rope of the floor. You don't have to do it anymore. It's there. It's, I mean, this shit, you know what's so funny? Wrestling is so simple. We've made it hard by trying to fool people. You have certain unwritten rules, which is old school. If you don't break them, you'll be a success. If you half-ass them, that ain't what you're supposed to do. Do it right. I wanted to ask you about another territory, but before we do that, you mentioned a name that I don't know if everyone's going to know, Pez. You're talking about Pistol Pez Watley. That was yeah. one of your early parts, right? How was how teaming up with Pez? Tell everybody a little bit about Pez Watley. Oh, well, well, Pez was the first black heavyweight. He was a state champion, first black heavyweight state champion in Tennessee, and he was a, uh, a college wrestler. He started out at Southern University in Baton Rouge. Then he, trans- then he went back home and went to Tennessee Chattanooga and George Weingroff. Pez was the heavyweight. George Weingroff was like a 185-pounder. I, th- I think it's 189 now. They changed it because I'm, I'm 68 years old, so I'm going back, I'm going back 50 years. 50 years ago, 50 years next next week, I played my first college football game. Yeah, and I was 18. Okay, so, but anyway, no, Pez was a uh, powerlifting champion. I was doing bodybuilding, and we was partners, and he won Kentucky State Powerlifting Championship just on half-ass training. Pez was just a freak. Yeah, Pez was, I, I always thought, I remember him from the Mid-Atlantic Territory with the Crockett's, and underrated personality, too. I thought he was pretty good oh to play. Oh, my God. If you would, if. You would see him as a baby face and never, and you couldn't imagine him as a heel. But if you saw him as a heel, you could never imagine him as a baby face. That's how good he was. Yeah. Now he was a stiff bastard. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but we hit, but Hey, we were the, we were against Barnett. We were against Jarrett. We were against Fuller. We were against you, Geigel, you name it. We was against everybody. We was invading everybody's markets. They had the good stations. We had the shitty ones. And all we did was work harder. Randy would Randy would gaff in spot shows. They would beat the shit out of each other. And we would not let you outwork us. But if you had the strong TV station and you've been had wrestling in that area for 15, 20 years, you're at naturally the incumbent. But we sure as hell made some, we made some noise, put it that way. One thing that seems very common when I talk about a, to a lot of the wrestlers from the past, too, there was a lot of legitimate tough guys in that locker room. Well, I tell everybody now, see, I look at wrestlers now, and they look like a bunch of fucking pussies. They're skinny fat. They don't right. even look like athletes. They should be in ringside. I remember we had, oh, God, we had, I think, 104 guys come the first day. We had a, we opened up OBW wrestling school, and after the and then Garvin made a guy shit his pants, piss his pants. He <laughs> thought one guy was going to die. Garvin was sugaring him so much, and and that's a an old carny hold that we thought he was going to die. The next week, four people showed up. He scared them all. He said, wow. Garvin. and here's Garvin. Garvin said, "Well, fuck them. They should be they should be buying ringside anyway. Fuck them." <laughs> can't let these marks in our in our business of course we all started out as marks but what was your original oh oh but anyway we was talking about when i was in the wrestling business or started and whatever i said this is awesome i said everybody is a criminal (laughs) a a would-be criminal somebody that didn't want to work no real job everybody cussed 
Now, I didn't smoke, drink, or do anything. Well, except excessive masturbation. And <laughs> and all the, the wrestlers were yeah. just, what I found out is all the bad guys were really the good guys. Mm. And the good guys were really the bad guys. <laughs> but we'd be, but I remember I got knifed in South Africa. I remember Randy got wow. knifed in Eastern Kentucky. And we were just being heels. And we'd, you'd have to watch each other's back. People believe that stuff. But hell, we acted like it. We treated it like it was real. Right. We, we kayfabed. We hit each other hard. If you couldn't take it, well, get out. This ain't for pussies. But everybody, but both the guys that, that we all employed were college athletes. Hell, Bob Roop was in the Olympics. Mm. You know, I'm rambling. But the whole thing is, is most of the wrestlers, I called them like the convicts. They were all killers. They'd fight you for no reason. You know, <laughs> and, that, and that was the way it was. That's like what Randy, whenever he was at a restaurant, he had to have his back to the wall. He's mm. ready for anybody to fight him. And then Randy wanted to fight you to the death. And, I, and I'd laugh and say, Randy, you want to fight for no reason. <laughs> I, I can tell you, you think I'm short, don't you? I said, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that Randy was Randy. But that intensity got him where he was. Got, it got him there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, after the Paphos, it wasn't too long. You were in the Portland Territory, too. How was the Portland Territory? Oh, Portland was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life. Now, what it was, was we made all those tapes, and then we was working for this guy, Don Pruitt and and Dale Mann in Kentucky and southern Indiana before we got our own stuff. So I went out there, and Lanny come in. He was Lanny Holiday out in for Don Owen in Portland. So Lanny got me booked out there. So I stayed out there about five or six months. Now, Piper was out there, Martell, the Bushwhackers come in, where they had the sheep herders. Right. A lot of great workers out there. And it was so easy to work out there. And then when I come, Randy said to come home. So after about six months, I come back because we started to run full time. Then I took a break and went back out there. And I was with Buddy Rose and then Ed Wyskowski come back. So all of a sudden we had a, a loser leave town. Whoever lost the fall would have to leave. And I just come in for two weeks and I beat Piper the first night in and people couldn't believe it. And then to make a long story short, I lost, nobody comes in for three weeks, right? Right. (laughs) I come in for three weeks and it looked like he was going to beat Piper and he ended up beating me and uh, and I was gone. So I was there for like five months, then left and then come back for three weeks and worked the loser leave town gimmick. Uh, Me, Buddy and Ed, which was the Roses Army against the the two, Luke and Butch, who were had turned babyface and then Piper. So I never heard one bad word about Don Owens ever. Yeah, he was known for some of the best paydays. Everyone was on time. Seemed yeah, like everybody. I mean, he, yeah. he had see. He was like a second generation. He'd been he promoted for like sixty years. His family. So when he got in there, he had all these armories that he could he could. You might be paying five hundred bucks today, but he was paying. But he'd get them by the week, and he they'd pay him like he pay like fifty dollars, and he would have like the veterans of foreign wars helping out and this and that. So they would get some kind of they would. Get they would collect their own donations and stuff, but it's like there was Don and then there was Elton, his brother Elton Owen. So Don was the baby face and Elton was the heel. <laughs> so uh, Elton had the broken nose and Elton, you could work him for money and stuff, and Don would just laugh and shake his head. And then uh, Piper would say, uh, "Now when Elton pays you, don't don't smile, you know." So he taught me that when I give Elton a mean look, and he just keeps Elton go, "Well, here's your pay." 
five oh well you had a good attitude money here's extra 20 then you took a hell of a bump that's extra 10 and then you got some color that's extra 15 and why aren't you smiling you know <laughs> and then piper told me the one where he says he says now when elton he'd have money in stacks he <laughs> said when elton gives you a stack of five or whatever he said drop it knock it down so i'd knock it down well elton would go he'd go come on rip you got you got to be careful we got to be protective with your money so he'd reach down and get it and then piper said you got to grab one stack of a uh, hundred dollar you know like it's 20 he had everything stacked so I, had, I had to get one for the boys because I was the new guy in, right? You had to pay your dues. Oh, that's great. Not else going. Hey, did anybody? I, did I overpay somebody? I was I was missing a hundred. <laughs> 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 oh my God! So you talk about see Adrian Adonis was out there, Ron Starr was out there, mm. and Stan Stacy at. Oh God, that was that was just that was just so much fun. We all stayed at the Bomber Hotel in Milwaukee, Oregon, which is a suburb. I bought me a $300 car from across the street and I drove it two trips. The rest of the time, I was just, it was always me, me, buddy, and the bushwhacker mm. every night. They're smoking their dope, blah, 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 having so much fun. You t- I just shut up and listen. Them guys, right. had so many, they had so many fucking stories. What a time that was. So you were the designated driver then for the pretty much? Oh, no, I sat in the back. No. Oh, Butch okay. Was usually, Butch was usually driving. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and, then, and then Butch and Luke would switch off. They had the good car for four of us to travel comfortably. And Buddy'd be in the back, and I'd shit in mason jars so that I'd be back up. I'd take the I'd take the lid off, and they'd think I'm fighting. Oh mate, oh fuck mate, oh you fight, oh you shit your pants, oh fuck, you know. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, so everything everything was a rib. So after the Portland, I believe you spent some time in Mid Atlantic. How was Mid Atlantic? Well, no, after I went there, I went oh. I went back to ICW. Then when I oh, yeah, okay. ICW, okay, here's I'll give you the whole Shamil. I went back to ICW. I left. I called up Ron Fuller. I worked for him for a week and did TVs. Then I worked Bill Watts for five months. After yep. I worked Bill Watts for five months, I went back for work for Ron Fuller in Southeastern for 11 months. I finished off with a 10-week program against Austin Idol. I come in as the, the smallest heel there, and then Ron Fuller took over from Robert. He says, man... I'm going to keep you off TV for six weeks. I said, oh, my God, he's going to fire me. <laughs> and he says, no. He says, you got more heat than anybody without trying to get it. I said, Ron, they hate my motherfucking ass. He goes, I know. So he kept me off, and he says, oh, I've seen what I need to see. He said, we did an angle with Jacques Rougeau. He says, Jacques Rougeau said, Rip's getting fat. He's no longer a junior heavyweight. I said, I am not. Bring mm-hmm. them scales out here, and I'll show you. So they had the gimmick scales where I was like eight pounds over and they started calling me fatso. And I was the skinniest guy there. So I'd have my belly sticking out and pull my pants up over my love handles. And, and instead of, instead of later on, when I get the fans yelling faggot, I'm yelling, they're yelling fatso doing nothing, just walking and talking, doing nothing. And everybody's having a good time. But then, then I went to, and worked when I was finishing up, Bob Armstrong had called Oli. Remember when uh, Vince took over, TBS. Okay. Oli called me on the phone. He said, Bob, I just talked to Bob Armstrong and he said, you can handle anything. I said, well, I think I can. 
He said, well, the road warriors are leaving. They want to go to AWA because they want to work at home. I said, okay. He says, I want you to come in here and I'm going to make you and Ted Oates the Hollywood Blondes. I said, well, hell, Jerry Brown was Buddy Roberts with the Hollywood Browns. He goes, well, you're the next Hollywood Bonds. And then <laughs> the next ones after that was Pillman and, and Austin, right? Right. But I went in and this was a short-term thing to switch the belts, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I went off into a singles thing. And then when Crockett bought in, I was the fir- about the first. They gave me six weeks of loser leave towns. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had blonde hair. Flair had blonde hair. Flair hated everybody younger than him. Uh-uh. You know, and they'd seen his act. They hadn't seen mine. But anyway, Flair's great. That's all there is to it. So I said, oh, all right. That's sort of a compliment. So I went down and worked for Wahoo for five months, five and a half months. We had a big show. And then Crockett took over TBS, right? So then the next show, every match had color. Dusty was called the finishes. All the matches had color except me and Dust or me and Bugsy because they were giving them chicken. So I gave them steak and people bit on the steak because they're sick of chicken. So we did a comedy routine, right? The next big show, I wasn't booked on it. I said, Chief, I ain't booked I ain't booked in Miami. He goes, Well, that ain't me, that was Dusty. I said, That big fat motherfucker, fuck him. He I said, I'm quitting. He goes, What? I said, I'm quitting. I said, I'll be gone in two hours. He goes, you can't do that. I said, chief, you walked out. It was, I think, nine in a row. You told me you did <laughs> because they did something that you didn't know. Uh-uh. He says, well, I'll pay you. Just don't leave. I said, no, I, uh-uh, I can't. I'm, uh, I've had it. Fuck that. So I just got packed my shit up and just fucking left like a dumbass, you know, <laughs> hothead. Stupid shit you do. Sometimes you got to turn the other fucking cheek, right? Right. But I didn't. So, <laughs> fuck, so fuck everybody. Yeah. Then I went on. Then I went on to to Memphis. Then working for Ron Fuller, and I worked against I worked against Adrian Street like 182 times out of a 186 days or whatever. Which was I said once I was done with Adrian, I said Ron, I'm leaving. He said what? He says I said I can't follow that. You know what I mean? And this is how stupid I was. I was never one guy worried thinking about money. It was never about the money. It was having time to train, having time to eat right having the time to see different styles because every territory was different and you would take something. This is, and a lot of it was before everybody got cable TV. So you're seeing an angle you did in Portland or Vancouver and you're doing it in, in for Tampa, you know, or you're doing a different territories. So I ended up, let's see, where are we at? Then I went and I went to Geigles and he stiffed me on a, uh, he stiffed me. I was there. He stiffed me on a check. So I just left. I went to South Africa then I then I say so I went to South Africa and I worked for Stu for four months. Went to Baba Baba's in Japan. Then went back to Dupre for four months and finished up that year. So eighty eight and eighty nine I didn't work in the states because in eighty nine I was in Puerto Rico. How was Puerto Rico with the crowds? I heard a lot of violence in the Puerto Rico crowds. Well, it was after two days you are accustomed to it. Okay. But yeah, it was the wildest. You know, they're throwing shit in the fucking ring. Yeah. Such is life. And then I, but I had the American TV show, so I, I always talked about the greasy Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. But when I when I was there, I guest posed bodybuilding at the Mr. Puerto Rico. Uh, so when I got there, I weighed two thirty two. Then when the contest day, I was one ninety seven. So you go through you go once in, go through once in life, right? Right. And you just have fun and do what you can. And then Puerto Rico, I lo- I loved it. It was because it was a different style. I learned to listen to the crowd with the wahs when they would punch you and everything. Mm-hmm. The wah. Wow, wow. Now it's time to bump. Now don't get up. Stay down. Now bang. Don't do nothing. Bang. It's a completely different style that worked. And you take it other places and it would work. And everybody else is doing the same old shit. So all you had to do was do old shit 
and it was new. But anyway, then no, I went to Eng yeah. England, Austria, Germany, Trinidad, Trinidad, Bahamas, wherever. Then with the when I was at WCW, I got to I was running developmental towns for Ole. When I was with Geigel, I was booking his towns. When I was with Carlos, I was sitting at home. This was in '89. I took two months off, and I was I was just going to get ready to go into Maritime because I, I went to Maritimes. Uh, I talked to Renee Dupre today. We was on the phone about now. I'm gonna do his podcast again. But uh, uh, let's see, what was we talking about? God damn it! Here, now see, see, I got the short term memory thing. Yeah, yeah I was talking uh, the prey, blah. What the hell? England, Australia. Hell, I can't remember what I was talking about. Oh, Oli. Oh, uh, oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, Carlos. Carlos called me at home to come in as like a booker. But for him being a booker meant if if they want their, your opinion, they'll ask you for it. But they paid you extra for it. So hmm. I made a lot of money there, and you only worked like four days a week. So that was fun. So I was busy nightlife. We all stayed at the Tanama Hotel. I was the last American they let stay at the Tanama because I always paid them up front. There always seemed to be a lot of a lot of shit happening there. Oh, well, what the hell, right? <laughs> Only live once. <laughs> yeah, but no, but I worked for Dupre in uh, 78, 88, 90, and the last time I was there, 97. Bad News traveled with me every day, and then Edging Christian started there that year because the sensational and intelligent Mass Thunderbolt, Ron, God, what's his name? He trained, he, he trained Trish Stratus and... Uh, he trained a lot of girls. Was it Ron Hutchinson? Yeah, Ron. Yeah. I was just looking at the thing today, and I said, God, I forget shit. What I see now is is I'll see a guy's face and can't remember his name, or I'll, I'll remember his name, and I can't remember his face. <laughs> and that's because I, I went through some – I was at OBW about 23 years or something like that, and I just, I just, I just left. You know, I'm tired. I'm out of here. I, I can't take the attitudes today of guys thinking they're worth a shit and they ain't worth a fuck. When I started, I knew I wasn't worth a shit. And I knew every five years you'd have a little different concept on how the business is. And when everybody learned how to call it in the ring, and now none of them guys know how. That's like when we'd do promos. Hell, them guys memorize a promo now. But hell, I might have to do 12 promos for 12 markets. So Randy might say, okay, Tuesday night, Texas death match in Louisville against Pez. Go. Boom. After that, we're do you're doing a Evansville TV. Well, we're, okay, we're Thursday at Owensboro at the sports center. You got Garvin in a in a, a street fight. Okay, ready, go. Boom. You just go over these markets, right? And you just blew them because you knew how to do it. You talk promos in the car. You talk angles in the car. You was always with guys older than you, and you switched around so you got a different point of view. Then you took some of the stuff you liked and some of the stuff you didn't understand. And usually everybody, what they were doing, they were they were great at execution. But when they were verbalizing it to you, I couldn't quite get it. But you had to learn. To be good in this shit, you got to learn to fail. You got to fail at everything. You fail, right. fail, fail, and you eventually figure it out. Then you go to the next problem. You fail, fail, fail. And pretty soon, you got all the old school ideas down. And all you got to do is do it. And it worked. That's like, you know who Serena is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I had tra I trained Serena for years. And then she got a job with WWE. Then she was Performance Center. And then she quit that because she wanted to go back to, to wrestling again. Now she does nothing but old school wrestling. And she yeah. sticks out because there, nobody else, excuse me, they, they know how to wrestle, but they don't know how to work. They break all the rules of covering people, of doing stuff just to do it. I remember, I remember in, in, in ICW, Nobody was allowed to put a shoulder up except Garvin. Everybody else did kickouts. And you, and if you got a two count and you got that shoulder up one time, the whole place would come unglued. Then you didn't mm. do it no more. But it was all different psychology. And all the guys, no matter where you went to, they understood it. 
It might be a little different terminology, but it's the same thing. And once you mastered that, it was simple. You could go into, you could go in. I remember one week in the Maritimes, I worked an hour Broadway with a different guy or made it or took it past 57 and made it look like a Broadway and didn't do that. But it gave all the baby faces confidence. You know what I mean? And everybody looked like a champion. But that's, it's just so much fun being a heel. That's all there was. I hated being a baby face. <laughs> God, I hated it. You're right, though. Whatever the question was. Hey, first of all, I want to plug my I want to plug my podcast on YouTube. Yeah, go ahead. My podcast on YouTube, Wrestling with Rip Rogers. Subscribe. You hear me? Subscribe. Wrestling with Rip Rip Rogers on YouTube. You look at my stuff on Twitter, even as though even though everything I put up, they put a warning on it. You know, <laughs> they'll probably have a warning of, if they had a picture of me on here with you. Well, you, well, you haven't been convicted of anything sexual. It's just uh, right now. It's just uh, it's alleged, so it's okay. <laughs> it's all, all mine are all mine are alleged too. So what the hell? But, uh, be Hustler two seven five four. You can follow me on Twitter, Hustler two seven five four, and then you can buy my book on Amazon, Wrestling with Rip Rod, on sale right now at Amazon. So I got all my plugs in. Before there I forget, you go. you've got to be on here, and I, and I'd forget everything. <laughs> no, I was, I was gonna throw that to the end, but that's all right. I I was just gonna ask you. I, I had a couple names I just wanted to bring up to you, and I was just curious just to get some insight because I knew we talk about a lot of different people. But we're gonna probably have you back on, and you could probably go forever. So I'm just gonna do two today. Okay. All right, one old school and one new guy. Start off with the old school, Jim Ross. Best, the best. Yes, he should he should be running talent relations for Tony Khan because they can't get Cornette. <laughs> they should have Cornette on there and Cornette should tell him everything, what's good and what's bad. But Tony's the boss and, but let him hear, let him see. Oh, I got a, I, right now I got a thing on EC3. It just, they just released. We just did that last week or whatever. So that's playing on our thing. But anyway, no, Jim Ross understands the business. He knows what to do and just hire an expert and let him be an expert. You know, you wouldn't hire me as Jacksonville Jaguars football coach, would you? <laughs> They had the worst record in the league last year, didn't they? <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> okay. Well, I played four years of college football. I was a high school football coach, but I don't know nothing, 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 nothing compared to anybody that's uh, a coach in college or pros, right? Absolutely. You know, I, I don't even want to get into the AEW thing with uh, uh, the, what do you call it? The guys that were sort of bosses, but they really had no business. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> with uh, Bucks and Punk and everything at the media. Yeah. Got into it, yeah. You got to love AEW. A lot of guys got jobs that never should have got jobs. So that was (laughs) 15 minutes of fame there. And then they've been on for about two years, I think. Yeah. I don't think their numbers have gone up, have they? Uh, they, Around, it never gets beyond a million. A million seems to be their top, and that's where it stays right now. Yeah. Okay. And then they hired so many guys. and And that's what I talk about. That's why everybody's hurt. Everybody's hurt because they don't wrestle. Right. Word of territory is wrestling every day. If they're a star, what are they working once a week doing TV? So in other words, you do this stupid shit and then your body's not even in minimal bump shape. I mean, football, you practice every day. Then you play the game. In every sport, you practice every day. Then you play the games. You know, you're counting batting practice, fielding practice, throwing practice, walkthroughs, sit-throughs, whatever whatever it is. But you still got to do it. You just can't sit on your ass and do nothing and expect to be any good. And that's why guys are getting hurt. It's simple. If you was a coach, you would know that. Yeah. Tony's not a coach. He's just a fan, which we love fans. Especially right. ones that are paying all this money. If not, <laughs> nobody would have a job. And WWE could cut everybody's money 
by 90% and they'd still want to have a job because they want to be a wrestler. Who in the hell don't want to be a wrestler? Right, right. To me, it was always the greatest thing in the world. Hell no, I just want to be a pro wrestler. And I didn't know how much was real, how much wasn't real, but I was ready to die for it mm. until Bad <clears throat> News got me and he says, you're going to feel me today. I said, come on, big man. <laughs> Within 30 seconds, he had me screaming. <laughs> I was screaming to the referee. I give up. <laughs> I quit. I and Bad News is just laughing. And he's giving he gave the referee that bad news brown look, and he wouldn't say nothing, right? <laughs> he wasn't gonna ring the bell, whatever. I'm about to cry. He said, No, you had to feel it, didn't you? You had to try me, didn't you? I said, Yeah, but now I know. <laughs> I said, Then I get on then I get on Dave's podcast and talk about it. And make That's and awesome. make fun of myself. I said, I'll put you over and I'll make fun of myself. That's awesome. I, I want to ask you one more guy. This guy said you were the greatest trainer ever. And this I'm guy the guy. I must owe him money. No, no. First time I saw this guy, I was like, oh, who the hell is this guy? I don't know. Now, I think, personally, I think he's he's something else. He's not a full-time wrestler. I'm talking about Pat McAfee. How did that happen? And I'll tell, tell you. Yeah. Fucking Pat. I guess Pat got drunk one night and got him a ring from Mike Sample. <laughs> and then I, he only lives about six minutes from me. Mm. And somehow he made a trip to a couple trips to OBW with me. We started hanging out some. Then I got on his podcast. And then... <laughs> But he, wa- he wanted me to train him. So I said, okay, here's the ring. So I had about three guys coming in every every time. And Pat would, he'd push himself. He'd puke, puke in the bucket and everything. And he just he just loved wrestling. And he could cut a, he could cut a 20-minute promo on no subject, just start talking, you know. And he's over more than the wrestler. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And he, he wanted me to train him. He didn't ask for, he says, what's this going to cost me? I said, huh, whatever you want, whatever you think is worth. So he wrote me one check out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm sitting there looking around. Am I on candid camera? <laughs> I said, shit, that's like, that's like working for six months. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> that's awesome. But he never gave a shit about the money. Mm-hmm. That's like when he was, he was chartering a plane yeah. and losing money, but he didn't care. He was on wrestling. And then now he's doing the, the college game day, right? Yep. And when he first come into WWE, he come in and Pat had shorts on. He had the sleeves <laughs> cropped out of a suit. Yep. And I think it was Michael Cole got on him about over. And they and and I and I know Pat. Pat'll go, fuck you, I'm out of here. He yep. called me. <laughs> so Mr. McMahon looks at him and goes, I think he looks great. Because <laughs> Pat was rich, he didn't need it. Right. <laughs> now he walked off how many millions of dollars? He said, I'm tired of kicking the football. I'm tired of punting. I'm tired of coughing corner left, coughing corner right, straight down the middle. I'm sick of it. I want to <laughs> wrestle. <laughs> it's fucking great. He makes that show. Rip, you made this show. He is. They broke the mold on him. Yeah. They broke. And then, well, this is, he goes, he goes, you got a cash app? I said, what the hell's a cash app? <laughs> he tells me. Then all of a sudden, he said, well, check it in a minute. Well, he checked it. He just sent me a bunch of money. <laughs> That's him. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. He's just, I call him patty cakes. There's only one. That's all there is to it. That's great. Rip, there's only one you. I want to thank you for doing the show today. We got your plugs in. Is there anything else you want to plug before you go? Any young mocha, any young mocha girls out there? Uh, uh, never, you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hook you up. We'll talk to some other people. <laughs> Rip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you thank you so okay. much and we will have you back soon 
All right. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 